Hooper now offloads. Oh, so close, still short. Blaubanga. There he is! He's over! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, where two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. Real, family-friendly and positive. Get involved. Get involved. Now, this is a second episode for the week. We had our special Aussie Rugby Rumble or Royal... What was it, what was it called, Ender? You were part of it. Rugby Royal, Royal Rumble. Rugby Royal Rumble episode come out earlier this week. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely go and do that. Pause the, this episode now. Listen to that one first because that was awesome. Ando, you why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of that one considering you were in it? Yeah, basically, um, we have just been chatting on and off with some of the other other Oz Rugby podcasts, and a couple of us, not everybody, thought we'd get together and just just do one together for fun. Um, so it was Gold Digger Rugby Draft, Fantasy Draft Rugby, uh, and also um, Rugby Fixation with Mitch Evans as well. So it was really, really good, really good fun. Um, I got to play host and do my best Nick McArdle impression and uh, I I revere that man far too much and definitely need to improve on mine but it was a lot of fun and some really good chats and opinions from all the boys so we're definitely going to do another one the current chat is to do another uh, Royal Rumble episode after Super Rugby Aotearoa and we'll change up some of the members so Mitch you'll get the call in for our pod we'll yes. probably have um who else will we have? We'll have... Probably Curdy uh, in there as well. Yeah, yeah, probably Curtis Some of the other boys. Rugby Fixation. I guess Matt will be involved yeah, and considering he's the only one. <laughs> Matt will be involved because he's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one-man show. And then we'll see which of the Draft Rugby boys get involved. Um, but it, it was great fun. And it's a good opportunity just to get together with some of the kind of Eastern Seaboard. There are other Oz Rugby podcasts around. So please feel free to shoot us a text or i mean a uh, message on twitter probably if you want to get involved we'd love to chat with you too but it was a lot of fun and we're keen to do it again so definitely go have a listen um it was uh, yeah a really good chat about all things aussie rugby and had some good commentary over the whole of the season not just the most up-to-date news right here right now great awesome so what we're doing tonight this will be a short episode we will do um, a little bit of spicy news to go through. There is some big news that's come out this week, so we'll do that. And then we'll look to the Super Rugby final that's being played this weekend. Ando's already given us his tips in the previous episode, so this is my chance to now have a chat about <laughs> why the Reds are going to win by 50 points. Um, and we've also, we're doing this at a time when the teams have been announced, so we, we have a little bit more to back up our predictions as well. How does that sound? How bold... It sounds really good, mate. I think it's bold of you to say by 50, but let's hear your arguments about that later on. So if you want to hit us up on some of our social media platforms, you can find us on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Facebook, pretty active on the pick and drive rugby podcast. And then Twitter is at pick underscore drive rugby. Twitter's probably the one that we're going a bit more haywire on um, for the last few weeks. It's been a lot of good fun, a lot of banter with some pretty regular faces coming back and forth. So that's heaps of fun and get involved. Mitch, our tipping comp. Yeah, so we're getting very, very close to the end now. We had the Super Rugby preliminary final last weekend and 
um, the points were tied. So we had two yellow cap winners, which is great to see. So Digger got half of the yellow cap and Belzy 101 got the other half of the yellow cap. So well done to both of you boys. And looking at the top of the later, her red is still up in first space, first spot on 27.5 points. We've got Tombs in second spot on 25.5 points and Rebels three in third spot also on 25.5. Now I I think we we're pretty much going to have to call it. I think now, um, unless there's a massive <laughs> upset, I don't know if it's possible to get enough points to catch hair red now in round. Yeah. Look, I'm still trying to figure out how the point system actually works. <laughs> so all I know is that her red needs to choke hard um, for someone like tombs to be able to take the trophy. So let's see if that happens. Maybe her red should go with the reds by 50 call that you're making and uh, we'll see if I'm right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, the interesting thing is like, sorry, you go, you go. I was gonna say, if you haven't seen, we did announce on our social media last week that we do have some prizes that we've got up this year for the competition for the tipping comp. So whoever comes first, will get their own um, little victory trophy with the pick and drive rugby logo on it and their name. Um, And we've also got a shield, which we're going to be using for the next few years. um, And we will inscribe the winner of the tipping comp on a little shield. uh, That's big. It's juicy. It's awesome. It looks really good. Check out our Instagram to have a look at what, how, how it looks. Uh, it's really, really cool. The the thing that's going to frustrate me the most, mate, is that you and I are never going to get our names on that shield. Um, it's always going to be some other very insightful people in our tipping comps. Never say so never. So that's going to be never. a challenge. Never say never. Never say never. Well, maybe we'll just have to um have another shield for the draft rugby competition that we'll set up for next year and because that's a smaller pool of players i think we'll yep. hopefully have a better chance of actually getting a win there so that's right uh we got to try might be a few years before we get our names inscribed anywhere mate or we might just have to put our names on there somewhere as the hosts and that'll count <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's sad <laughs> we'll see we'll see we might be three or four years in and then be like all right this is the hosts mitch and ando <laughs> on the trophy <laughs> Oh, good. All right. On that incredibly uplifting uh, news, why don't we head on to the spicy news from domestic and international front? Let's go. All right. With the spicy news, we're going to start as usual on the domestic front. And Tony Pulu, unsurprisingly, has been suspended for three weeks for his red card shot on Ire Simone in the qualifying final. Uh, I mean, you just spin the roulette wheel and everything comes up three. That's so, what I was going to say. Have you seen that meme that came out? <laughs> uh, I think the, I might have. Maybe that's where I got it yeah, from. It's Maybe a it wasn't wheel inspiration. And it, it's like the Wheel of Fortune <laughs> and it says the Super Rugby AU Judiciary Process and it's all three weeks. <laughs> Well, they're consistent. Nothing but consistent. Um, so I really, I don't think there's a, huge much to, uh, there's a huge amount to say about that. So we might just jump forward into the big news, which you would have been dancing in the streets cheering about. Dave Vessels was stood down as the coach of the Rebels. What do you think no, about that one, he, Mitch? He wasn't stood down. He voluntarily stepped <laughs> down. Um, mate, that's such a load of poop. He <laughs> jumped off the end of the walk, the plank before he was pushed. Um, and so that he got to go with dignity. I agree. And the, everything he said and interviews he gave were very, very measured, very warm, really appreciating the time and the opportunity that he had there. But I mean, if you look at what he said in a week or two previously, like he, he wasn't planning on going anywhere. So what's changed? He, he got pushed. 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt that he was. This was the best option for Vessels to leave on good graces and not disgrace himself. Um, and so he left on his terms, which which was good to see. Um, I know I have been calling for it for a while, just in terms of their performance. But it's still a part of me feels a bit sad to see him go. The the fact that we may lose him to Australian rugby. Um, but in saying that. I think the Melbourne Rebels really just need someone fresh down there, fresh set of eyes, fresh perspective to bring in um, and then really work on developing the players that they currently have and maybe signing one or two big international marquee players in the offseason and really build on into next year because they have been so close in the last few years under Vessels and they've had a really good backline. They've had a really good forward pack. They've had a really good roster, but they've just never really done anything with it. So the writing was on the wall. We can't, I don't think anyone's surprised by this, but I think the most interesting thing around all of it is just the timing. Do, yep. do we really think that this was the right time to let Vessels go? Is this going to drastically improve things for Melbourne leading into the Trans-Tasman comp? Um, I'm not too sure. Yeah, and that's one of the most important, uh, not the most important, but the biggest questions coming away from this is like, why, why now? Um, is there any particularly... Um, pertinent reason why you wouldn't want him to be around for the next five weeks or six weeks. It just, in my mind, would make sense to keep keep the coach around and have a fresh start at the end of the season rather than have this disruption now. But, I mean, we saw that with the Waratahs as well, and they did improve after the sacking of Penny. Um, the problem I have with assuming that any improvement is based upon a sacking is often a coach is sacked because performances have been poor over an extended period of time. And if in professional sport, generally teams don't continue on a negative trend, usually they will go through a slump and then improve. And so is sacking the coach a thing that made them improve or was it just the timing that they were on an improve, a trajectory of improvement without having sacked, having the coach sacked? So I, I'm not sure if I agree with the whole thing. Like if the Rebels have a good game in the next match or two that they have in uh, the Trans-Tasman comp, whether that's because Vessels were sacked. I'm just not convinced by that argument. It's it's an interesting one to see that um, another Australian rugby team has taken the same path as the Waratahs and that they have basically disrupted their season midway by sacking their coach, hoping that change will be made immediately. But overall, there's only so much change that can happen from that. But now both of these organizations are kind of leaderless in a way and they've got interim head coaches in the role that's not good for either the players or the coaches. We don't know who's going to be there next year. It's going to be very hard to try and secure the signing of the players that are coming off contract at the end of the year or haven't recommitted in, in the next few years when they don't know who's coaching them. So yep. um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Rebels go through Trans-Tasman. I don't expect that we'll see much improvement from them. Um, if we do see, as you mentioned, a, uh, a form increase in the next few weeks, I would probably put that down more to the fact that they've got some of their bigger players back, like Izzy Nicerani and Cameron Orr and, and those kind of things, more so than the fact that they got rid of Vessels. But I guess we'll just see what happens in the next few weeks. Yeah, well, on that note, um, so now that Vessels has stepped down, uh, Sean Byrne, the attack coach, has also left as well. So what has actually happened is Kevin Foote, who was a defence coach, has stepped up. 
And in his place, Jeff Parling, who was a forwards coach, will be replacing him in his defence role. And it's also been stated that some of the Wallabies coaching staff are going to work closely with the Rebels in a short-term capacity just to help out, must be particularly with the attack and set-piece side of things. Well, um, Sean Bur- uh, sorry, not Sean Byrne, um, Jeff Parling is the current Wallabies attack coach as well, uh, or the forwards coach. Line-out coach, don't you mean? The line- oh, he's the forwards coach. Yeah, okay. they've got a scrum guy. Who's um? Is it Duplessis? Who's one of the scrum? Yeah, he's. Scrum? Um, I can't recall his name at the moment, but he's um South African guy. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll just say it's Duplessis. Duplessis, and it's probably like uh, we're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's brought so him, many of them going. Around. They have brought him back uh, to help out, and it will be interesting to see how that goes and the connection with the Wallabies. Um, yep. I don't want to be a, a salty Waratahs fan, but can we maybe get Dave Rennie in to coach the Waratahs through the rest of um, Trans-Tasman <laughs> if we're sharing around the coaching? Mate, we've got two head coaches. Come on, quit your whinging. We've yeah, got but, two coaches. But none of them are Dave Rennie. This is true. Okay, let's keep moving on. Rob Valentini has re-signed for the Brumbies until 2023, which is fantastic news. He's had, I wouldn't say a breakout season because we've always known his potential, but he seems to be growing in confidence, growing in the physicality and the work rate and the consistency that he's bringing to his game. So that's great news. Now, here's a really interesting one. Stan Sport have just released some of their statistics and their figures for their... uh, Stan Sports platform. And the news has come out that they have approaching 150,000 active subscribers to Stan Sport. And the live audience numbers across Stan and Nine are tracking at around three times last year's results across Foxtel and 10. How good is that? Awesome. So good. I mean, this is what we were hoping for. This is what we thought having rugby back on free to air, we just need to increase. I guess the amount of people that have access to the to the game, uh, they've got better promotion this season. They've got more um, more games in sort of prime time slots, and this is just what we need. This is this is great, and hopefully, um, as we move into Trans Tasman and then into the internationals at the end of the year, those numbers c- continue to grow. Yep, I'm very excited to see how things go, and I mean. I am looking forward to Stan getting some more um, sports packages onto their platform. So they've already got Wimbledon and I think it's Roland Garros, their Spanish tennis comp. Um, So that is a great start. But the more sports they have on their platform, the more opportunity we have for extra eyes to come to the... um, the games which are just locked onto the platform. We'll see the massive back catalogue of games that are available there. So it's super exciting. I just love what they're doing. And there's so much positives coming from the Stan Sports side of things. I mean, look, I didn't get to say this earlier, um, but I want to bring this up. You know how I've been wanting more from Spidercam <laughs> and for them to be doing a little bit more of tracking at backline moves. Did you notice that in, I think it was the uh, Waratahs Rebels game, the la- their last match of the season, yeah. um, there one a couple of the um, cameras broke down so they ended up having to use spider cam to actually track the regular play it was if you go back and watch that game you'll see that the the they actually uh, sean maloney i think it was actually says just wanted to let everybody know we're having some issues with our uh, broadcast cameras so we're going to be using spider cam a bit more until that's sorted out and I loved it because you yeah. saw the movement and the development of the play and just how the different pods are aligning themselves more effectively from the top-down view, um, how they're setting up for forward screens when they're playing that kind of out-the-back play. It's just, I love that viewpoint. So, I mean, part of me hopes that more 
things break down uh, and there's <laughs> more of an opportunity. What would be interesting to see, now Sky Sport have been doing something similar over in New Zealand with their coverage, is that they have player camp. So each game, they actually have a camera fixed on a certain player and you can it, you can choose with a button, I think, to switch between the two or to have one sort of in the bottom of your screen. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a like a Wallabies, uh, the sorry, All Blacks captain that they'll follow Scott Barrett or one of the other um, All Blacks players. I, a few weeks ago, it was Lamapi that they were following, that kind of thing. But how cool would it be for Stan Sport to have an option to just use the the spider cam coverage. So if you wanted yep. like you and yep. you could sit there and watch the whole game, the whole game in spider cam, if that's what you want to do. And then That'd be incredible. flip between the two. That would be so cool. All right. Stan team, Benny Kimber, Ross Kelly, Sean Maloney, all you team, Andrew Swain, I'm getting in touch and I'm demanding, demanding. on demand spider cam. Demanding on-demand spider cam. And now um, <laughs> hopefully we see that for Trans Tasman for the Australian games. Yeah, that'd Not be expecting sick. it by this weekend. But trans yep. give you a few weeks. That'd be cool. Work on it. Okay. Um, now let's move on to the big news. Uh, another piece of big news, which was the Super Rugby AU team of the season released on rugby.com.au. And uh, I mean, I'll just quickly read through all the names and then well, I'll just get your comments on a couple of them. Uh, so starting at number one is Tom Robertson, then Felici Kaitu for hooker, Taniela Tupo is rounding us off at number three. Then the locks are Caden Neville and Trevor Hosea, Rob Valentini, Fraser McWright, and Harry Wilson for six, seven, and eight. Then you have McDermott at nine, O'Connor at 10, Paisami at 12, Ikitao at 13, Andy Muirhead at 11, Corabetti at 14, Mokoroibete at 14, and Tom Banks in 15. So not a Waratah to be seen. I think that's fairly, I think that's fair enough um if it was just the latter half of the season i think that um it would probably be izzy parisi over len ikatao but ikatao is far more consistent and across the course of the entire season uh, I, th- I think that's a little bit of a stretch i think ikatao has been pretty good all season um i i think if we were to look at the last half of the season we might get angus bell in there over robertson but yeah, yeah that yeah, okay. would probably be the only change i would make um Interesting to know that Robinson has been selected in the team of the season, yet he's not even in the in the Wallabies setup at the moment. Yeah. So uh, he's the only player that's currently been overlooked there, which is un- unfortunate for him. But he's obviously playing; he's playing the best that he can at the moment. So you can't really ask much more of him. And how good is it to see a player that's been sort of struggling at the Waratahs for the last few years to really find that form that he had a few years yeah. ago? Go off to yep. another super side and as really starting to excel and, and pushing for on for Wallabies honors again. Yep. So I don't think there's anything that's overly controversial. Um, I still find it amazing that Marika Corabetti is in there, considering that he didn't mm-hmm. actually score a try at all this season. But he obviously his involvements in other aspects of the game were fantastic, and he was one of the most dangerous players for the. Well, Rebels, who would you but- choose over him? At 14? Uh, I would like to have put Tom Wright, but he was injured for so long in the yep. season that probably not. Um, and that's that's the question. Like, nobody at the Waratahs stands out for it. Nope. Nobody at the Force was consistent enough. In the latter half of the season, Jordan Oluwafela would have put, been a good shout for it. But again, he wasn't there for the first half. And he played a lot of other um, as well. Yeah, yeah. So aside from that, I mean... At the Reds, it's been a bit of a revolving door between Vunavalu, Dungunu, Drosisi, Paisami. Um, who else has played out there? Campbell. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to yeah. say. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. I'm not saying it's a bad call. It's no. just an interesting one considering he just simply did not get a single try. And hopefully, um, well, the, the Rebels didn't get a whole lot of tries this season unless they were playing <laughs> the Waratahs. Um, but hopefully we can see something in their attack click come Trans-Tasman yep. and Corabetti gets a few of those meat pies. Let's hope so. All right, let's move on to the international scene. Really interesting one. Pablo Matera has signed with the Crusaders. Now, that's a really, really interesting signing and a so great one for him. For me. I yeah. that, like, wasn't on the radar at all. And I was, I was so shocked when they announced it. Pablo Matera to the Crusaders. Wow. Particularly, yep. I find so interesting, particularly the uh, reaction that he had when he played New Zealand in in Sydney last year when they were sort of getting under his skin and he was standing up and, you know, he said to the captain, you know, I'm representing my country. They're not respecting me and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and now he's chosen to go and play with them for, for the year or few years or however long he signed for. So interesting. And I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him play for the Crusaders. And I imagine being in that setup, his game will improve tremendously. He's already a great player. He's already the captain of Argentina, but I think, Anyone that goes and plays in the Crusaders setup can only get better. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I read a couple of articles about this where the New Zealanders, or some New Zealand fans were decrying the fact that they're getting this person who's going to block the pathway for young New Zealand talent. And I'm like, come on. He's one of the only foreign players in the entirety of Super Rugby Aotearoa, um, unless outside of the Pacifica countries, of course. And so, I mean, there's more than enough opportunities that are available throughout all the different teams. Plus, when you consider the experience and the class and the work rate that he brings, it just provides them with a different learning experience beyond the New Zealand model, which in my mind can only be beneficial to them. And you just don't see it, do you? You don't see players coming from overseas to sign with New Zealand supersides. They generally often, sign with South no. Africa or Australian sides. So interesting to see this happen. Maybe it's the start of a new thing. Maybe we'll see a few extra players coming over. I do know that there are some Argentinians who are looking to play Super Rugby next year um, and hopefully one or two of them end up in New South Wales. Yep. Uh, the only other thing we will say is that um, there is the Lions announcement. The team announcement is going to be happening in approximately 24 hours from now. So uh, just be aware of that. So it should be coming out. What day is today? Wednesday night. So tomorrow afternoon, Friday, Thursday, tomorrow afternoon or Friday, Thursday depending evening upon. Australian time. Okay, great. Yeah. Thursday evening Australian time. Awesome. Um, and cool. That's it. Oh, the only other thing is just because we were talking about foreign players there. Um, Japanese star Kazuki Himeno has been named Super Rugby Aotearoa Rookie of the Year. So he's been on a debut with the Highlanders this season and has been named Rookie. So well done. Again, a foreign player having an impact on Aotearoa. So let's see if Matera can have a similar impact as well. Awesome. Are you good to move on to the final? I am. I'm excited. Let's right. go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Now it's time to talk about the big dance. We are down to the final game of Super Rugby AU for 2021. And the Reds are hosting the Brumbies at the Fortress Suncorp Stadium. Now the team lists did come out this afternoon and there's a few surprises in there, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, what did you want to do first, Ando? Did you want to... Do our predictions? 
talk through the uh, I game. reckon let's run through the big changes within a team list. So obviously for the Brumbies, the, the most significant change is the fact that they don't have James Slipper and Pete Samu. So into the starting lineup comes Scotty Seo, Rob Valentini gets moved to number eight, and Nick Frost, who traditionally plays lock, has been moved into blindside flanker. Wow. Massive, massive. And on the red side of things, um, the Vunuvalu hasn't been named at all in the in the lineup, and captain the captain has been named as James O'Connor. So Fraser McWright's playing seven, Harry Wilson's playing eight, and Angus Scott Young is playing six. So Liam Wright, their captain from last week and their captain for the year, is not is not starting for them this week. Yeah, there's some really big changes. I mean, we didn't even mention the fact that Lockie Lonergan is starting at hooker for the Brumbies. Um, so there's some pretty significant changes and all around for both teams. The, one of the big questions was, would Jock Campbell actually be playing at fullback? Would they have Vinavalu on the wing or Drosisi? So what they've actually gone is um, the back line for the Reds is McDermott at nine, O'Connor at 10, Campbell at 11, Stewart and Fluke at 12 and 13, Jordy Pattaya at 14 and Bryce Hegarty at 15. Now that's interesting because I mean you I would have thought that Dungunu would have forced his way into there somewhere but obviously they feel the need to have Bryce Hegarty and Jock Campbell starting the game. Um, Jock Campbell is has been pretty devastating with his counter-attack running so far yep. this season. Um, he's he's a really dynamic attacking threat. And I was talking this call up on the Rugby Royal Rumble for Bryce Hegarty to be starting at 15. Some of the guys on that were suggesting that you'd probably get Campbell back in at 15 and you'd have uh, Dungunu at 11. But in my mind, Hegarty provides a lot more. Um, he He's a player for finals he's someone that can be secure under the high ball solid in attack he's got a really good torpedo kick which is great at getting distance from clearance kicks and to me he just seems like a bit more of a consistent and reliable player that you want to ensure that you're minimizing the mistakes that your team is making and you've got attacking threats in Pattaya and Campbell at 11 and 14 so why not have someone who's more defensive and kicking uh, has, has a really strong kicking game at 15. Yeah, and, and Filippo Dungunu as well is prone to um, sort of hot flushes. So he gets a little bit overawed by the the moment and can do some silly things, give away silly penalties, particularly in big games. So I think it's probably better to bring him on late in the game when he's not going to give away a red card and, and damage you for 20 minutes um, early on. So uh, I think that's probably another reason why he's not starting. Um, but it would be also good to see a player like Dalgunu come on with probably 20 minutes to go and just that just fresh legs and just run around some of the tired Brumbies defense. Yep. I hear that. I hear that. So my, my read on a Lonergan inclusion for the Brumbies is that um if you actually look back to the last Brumbies Reds game that was played down at GIO and the Reds got up in the final minutes of the game, one of the reasons why the Reds won that game was because of their front row, was because of the strength of their scrum and the multiple penalties they were able to get in the second half to keep the scoreboard ticking over and catching up to the Brumbies. I wonder 
if the Brumbies are actually taking Folau out of the starting team because they think he's a stronger scrummager than Lockie Lonigan, and they're saving him for the second half. So we might see a substitution at halftime or maybe 45 minutes, mm-hmm. and then he'll Folau Fanga will come on, and that will provide him with the opportunity to play a, still a full, a good 40 minutes of the game or 35-ish, but have his strength there to help hold up the scrum at the tail end of the match so they don't have a repeat of what happened down in Canberra. Oh, it's an interesting call, isn't it? Because you could also you could also say by that point it might be too late. That if this Reds mm. team can come on early and get some some dominance at the scrum, they can set a precedence for the referee to to show that they are the dominant side and penalties will start going their way. And if Falafinga comes on late in the game or with 40 minutes or 45, uh, 35 minutes to go, um, the Reds might already have won that battle. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And if that is actually the reason why, maybe they're just liking the way Lockie Lonigan's throwing into the line out and, and, and mauling um, more so than Fayenga at the moment. I, I'm not too sure, but we'll, we'll see. And I can't wait to see this game. It's going to be an absolute cracker. What were your thoughts around James O'Connor being named captain and the, and the choice to bench Liam Wright? I agree with it. Yeah. Um, I I think it's a good call. I don't think you can have Angus Scott Young, Liam Wright, and Fraser McWright all on the field at the same time. Yep. Um, I don't think there's enough tall timber within there for the lineout requirements. And particularly now, once we've seen a Brumbies lineup, like they've got Neville, Frost, and Swain. So Frost is playing at six, and Valentini is able to get thrown up as well. So when you have a look at that, they needed to make sure they could secure their lineout. But Angus Scott Young has been the one calling the lineout for the Reds most of the season. So you you wouldn't want to get rid of your lineout caller just to make sure your returning captain can play when it's going to depower a really critical area of possession of gaining possession or retaining possession within a game. So I'm, I'm okay with it because I think we're probably going to see maybe like a Ryan Smith come off Angus Scott Young move into lock and then Liam Wright come on um, near the end of the game, maybe. Yeah. Or they might just do a straight swap and Angus Scott Young does come off, but I wouldn't know who's going to call the line out after that. So I, I think it's, there's a part of me that feels for wrongers. I think that he'd be, he'd be finding it difficult not being the run-on captain for the final. But at the same time, you can't argue at the job that James O'Connor has done in the interim. And the fact that, um, well, not the fact, the the widely held opinion that if they, they, they should have gone for points against the force to win their last regular round game, and it was Liam Wright's decision to not go for the points, that meant that they didn't go, take the game into extra time. And uh, Liam Wright owned that call. So maybe, I'm not saying this is punishment for it, hmm. but I just wonder if when we take into account, like what we said before about the lineouts and the decisions that maybe weren't the best decisions in the one game that he's been back for, whether or not those have added up to mean that James O'Connor, who did such a good job, has regained the captaincy for this crunch match. Maybe yeah, for Super no, Rugby Aotearoa, um, Wright will get the captaincy back, but maybe just for this final, they're giving it back to James O'Connor. I think there's a lot to be said around continuity as well. So the mm. last two times the Reds played the Brumbies, James O'Connor was captain. And he was very instrumental in those games in leading the, Brum- the Reds back into a contest when they really could have been out of both of those games. They only sort of got victory in the last two minute, two or three minutes of each game. So I, as when I saw this team announced and I saw that they had chosen James O'Connor as captain, I actually felt like that was a big uh, determining factor, a swinging 
balance a little bit towards the Reds. They were already playing at home, but I just feel like this team plays better under um, under James O'Connor's leadership. He's just got this presence on this side to be able to make the right decision at the right time, to lead them mm-hmm. the right way, um, and to to just ho- to hang in those big games. Um, it, as you mentioned previously, I think we would have seen a different outcome had James O'Connor been captain last week against or the week before against the force. Um, but ultimately it didn't really matter too much. Um, I also think that uh, Liam Wright has been injured for a lot of the season. James O'Connor has been in there. He's been leading this side. He's been their sort of talismanic player. He's been voted most valuable player of the, the tournament by the fans. He's come back. He's a new player. He's doing all these great things. I think, uh, Brad Thorne is using that to go into the final um, to ride that sort of uh, momentum that they've been building. And I think James O'Connor is going to be the guy that's going to be the determining factor in this game. Yep. Um, one thing, look, I probably should have done some more research about this, but you also have young Isaac Henry coming onto the bench for the Reds as a back replacement. Now, he, I, I know next to nothing about him. I know that he's I'm looking him up right now. He's 22, saying that he hasn't played for the Reds this season, but it's not saying that he's on debut. No, he is um, on debut. He is on debut? So okay, when sweet. the Reds announced the team, they had an asterisk saying Super Oh, okay. Well, it's not on the uh, rugby.com.au list. But yeah, um, yeah that's fascinating because you've got uh, Henry Stowers as well, who is ex-Force player as well as having his debut too. Um, you've got Isaac Henry as well. So you may well get some players coming on to have their first run out in Super Rugby being the grand final. That would just be an immense weight, but what an occasion for them as well. <laughs> what an occasion to come on and have a great game and to turn things in your favour. Exactly. No pressure at exactly. all, boys. No pressure well, at all. Well, you had Luke Reimer come on and do that incredibly well for the Brummies against the Force. He got a turnover and had some really big hits and a couple of good carries and stuff. So, yeah, he, he, he did very well in his debut. So let's see if we can have some pretty similar um, debuts from Henry Stowers and Isaac Henry. So if we look at the actual game and how we think it's going to go, you've been bold in your prediction going against the Reds saying that you think the Brumbies are going to do it. Um, by five previously, are you sticking with that when you see this team? Do you still think the Brumbies are going to go up to camp uh, to Queensland and take this competition off the Reds? Look, as I said in the last pod, um, my call on the Brumbies is a little bit just more tactical and tipping <laughs> comp calling. Um, I, I genuinely think that the Reds are the favourites for this game. Um, looking at their team list, Maybe the weakness is a little bit in their locks. Yep. Uh, Lukan Salakailoto has not been amazing this year. He hasn't been poor, but he hasn't been as good as he was last year. And Ryan Smith is still pretty raw. So the Red, the Brumbies may well get some purchase in the line-out time or just in the middle of the park too because of just... No, I'm not saying they're out of form, but the, I think the Brumbies have the edge just in the locks. Um, but overall, yeah, I think that the Reds probably have this game. There's a part of me, though, that thinks that the Brumbies still just have the experience and the class built upon years of super rugby success to varying degrees. And there are still some incredibly experienced players that are within that Brumbies team, even though they've lost both Samu and Slipper, that I think that they may well be able to pull it off. They might. I think there is a win, but like the Brumbies are definitely not out of this game before it's been kicked. I have some real... um 
fears about the Brumbies' capabilities when we look at their benches. If we compare yeah. both benches yeah. of the teams, um, they've got Flafanger on there. They've got Mac Hansen um, and Rejan Pasatoa. Outside of that, some of those guys don't have. Excuse a, me. And Ryan me. Lo- Ryan Lonergan, Thank you. obviously, Thank he you. he does he just doesn't need to be mentioned. He's just yeah. of another, yeah. another. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> They don't have a great amount of Super Rugby experience or game time this year. If you look at the the bench of the Reds, Alex Murphy, Dane Zander, um, Zane Nongor, Seru Uru, Liam Wright, Isaac Henry, uh, sorry, not Isaac Henry, um, Philippe Dungunu. So these guys are seasoned Reds players. They've got experience under their, their belts. They have the ability to come on and make an impact. And my biggest fear with some of those names, like, yes, the Brumbies have a good, um, one to 15 lined up at the moment. But if you take two or three of those guys out or maybe one or two of those guys out more realistically with an injury early on in the game and bring on a player that doesn't have quite the experience that some of um, the, the Reds do, we could be looking at a, a completely different outcome. They may depower their scrum. They may um, lose some cohesion in the back line. So um, I think the the last sort of, Probably 20 minutes of this game is going to be really interesting to see how both yep. coaches go through their team selection and, and their um, bench management. I wonder if Alan Alvatoa is going to play a full game because generally you won't have Nick White playing a full game and he would have been the ready-made captain if Alvatoa gets subbed. But Nick White will get subbed for Ryan Lonergan because you do scrub, you do um, sub the scrub half because they do so much running. Who else takes a captaincy if both Alatoa and um, White are off? Fanga, like, maybe. Who, who do you? Yeah, maybe if maybe Fanga, maybe Scotty Co. But no, he'll probably be off. Maybe Valentin, maybe Caden Neville. Like that's the thing. There's no ready-made replacement that you can just point to and go, "Yep, he, he's the captain." At least with Liam Wright on the bench, you know that if James O'Connor goes off, then when Wright comes on, he'll be captain, and you'd probably yeah. have Bryce Hegarty be the interim captain until Wright is on. Um, yeah. But I and just question what are they going? What are the Brumbies going to do if they need to sub Alatoa? Because Nick White will probably be going off in about the 60th minute. So who's going to be the captain for the final 20 minutes of the game if Alatoa doesn't play the full game? Yeah, exactly. And that that could be a real possibility as well. It's the end of the season, so yep. well, it's halfway in some aspects, but it's the end of Super Rugby AU. These two teams have gone have shown from the last two games they've played very physical battles, very very tight contests. I am leaning a lot more towards the Reds at the moment just because of the team they've named than the Brumbies. By 50 still? No. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't think any team's going to win a final by 50 points. If you just look at the semifinal last week, it was quite, <laughs> quite a tight encounter. Yep. My heart wants yep. to say 10 to the Reds, but my mm-hmm. head says it's going to be tighter than that. Going off the two games they've played previously this year, and just the fact that both teams are going to want to win this, so they're going to go for points when they're on offer. I probably will say Reds by three. Yeah, okay, that makes that's that's very fair. Um, I I'm really real. Obviously, it's a final, so you're looking forward to it. But to have another matchup between these two teams after the quality of their first two encounters in a regular season is just. Is just awesome. There would have been so much fairy tale happiness if the Force had got through the qualifying final, but there's also a huge part of me that just loves the fact we're getting yet another Brumbies Reds game, and I just hope, beyond hope, that it lives up to the previous two encounters. Definitely, definitely. I wonder if we're going to see a different performance from the Reds this week. 
I, I have a feeling I've always sort of thought watching their performance this year that they've actually got another a level in them that Brad mm. Thorne's sort of building towards and yep. knows that the players are capable of, but is they're just done enough to get the victory so far. So the last two times we saw these teams play, the Brumbies led for the majority of the game, as we said before, and the Reds took it out late and just hung in there and, and clawed back the victory. I would be interested to see if the Reds just come out. This is it. There's no, there's no tomorrow. This stand is this chance. They just go for points at, on offer and just run running rugby all night and just blow the Brumbies away. Yep. They have the team that's capable of doing that. So it's going to be a great game. I can't wait. All right, shoot. Are you happy if we wrap it up there with our kind of preview and thoughts around that game? Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's much else to say, but um, go the Reds and I'll be supporting them come Saturday night. <laughs> and your Reds membership for 2022 is on the way. Oh, my Reds membership for Trans Tasman was purchased yesterday. <laughs> How good, mate. All right, let's move on. Um, We do actually have some questions that are coming for the locker room, so we are going to answer them now. Let's go. Okay, so the first question that we had come through was from Sheepy, the legend himself, who has asked a question about the Rebels, but I think we've already responded to that, so I won't go through it. Uh, He does ask, Mitch, et tu, brut? Basically, you too, Brutus, you have betrayed me as well. Julius Caesar is asking his friend Brutus as he's stabbed to death. So how could you betray the Waratahs? How could you turn your back on those who you once loved? Have you watched the Waratahs' performance over the last few years? It's just been getting worse and worse and worse. And we've just got to a (laughs) point where there really doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. Um, There's always hope. There's always hope. No, I, I don't think I've absolutely like jumped off the Tars bandwagon completely. I'm probably, I've got, maybe my heel is still on it, but I'm very close. I just really <laughs> like what the Reds are doing this year. And just the, the, from the last few years, really, how they've been building this momentum coming into this final this weekend and the character of this side and the storylines that's come out of it, that they've stuck together. Brad Thorne's really brought in these young guys built them through i just think it's a great story and i'm just really enjoy watching them play um i i do think that there is uh in the next few years we hopefully will see something similar from the waratahs if they can keep this team together and and develop them and and grow together as a team and whatnot um and i will still be supporting them in the future but i'm just very excited by the reds at the moment Agreed. Um, Wallabies have three matches in 10 days against France. Do you think they're going to have their full main squad for all three games, barring any injuries or horrible performances, or three very different squads for each match? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, you could argue for both situations. Um, I think, Rennie, at this point, is we're getting closer and closer to that 2023 World Cup. Barring injuries, I think he's probably going to want to start setting his side and and giving them game time. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do see one team um, that just plays through all three tests in the space of 10 days. That's what I'd be leaning towards. Yeah, uh, it's it's challenging. I mean, it's actually 11 days. Um, Sheepy was wrong. How dare you? <laughs> Basically... <laughs> Um, it's really, really challenging to see how they're going to have the same players back up for three games in 11 11 days. Like, that's just super, super difficult. Uh, I think probably for the first game, you'll get the full-strength team. Um, And then you'll probably have some more of the forwards have changes, I reckon, than you will in the backs just because of the physicality and the brutality of forward play. Um, I think that that's probably a good thing because I do think there are some 
forwards who have really stood up this season and are pushing for some game time. Like, I think that'll mean that we also see an opportunity for players like Fraser and McWright to get a run mm. because there'll be an opportunity to change around the team. So you may well get some fringe players that have been, that are younger, that have been pushing for an opportunity, get a go. Um, but th- we just can't afford to have another series of poor results. Like the, the Tri-Nations last year was, it wasn't a failure, but it wasn't a success. Mm. And we really need to start winning games. I know that's super simple, but we have to start winning games. And it may well be that some of the top players like um, Antoine Dupont and Entomac, they are coming to Australia after the rest of the team because of the top 14 final. Um, And so we might have a better chance of getting some wins in the first game of the season, first game of the tour. And so we've got to put our strongest team out for the very first game and not look to experiment straight away. Just play who we think is the best. I also just think, I mean, it's not ideal that we're playing these three tests so close to each other, but this is a really great opportunity for the Wallabies now to contest the Bledisloe this year. So I think that Dave Rennie's probably going to pick his side and barring injuries, try and get them to play as much rugby together as they can to, to be ready for the Tri-Nations and the Rugby Championship yep. in the later half of this year, build some momentum yep. going into that, um, and then carry that through to the World Cup. So I can understand why you could use this as a, a pick and, and change and, and see to try and test combinations and things. But I think at the same time, we probably need to start actually building cohesion amongst these players, getting them to be Get, picking the best team that we can, getting them game time together, because a lot of them will come from different super rugby sides. A lot of them will come from the Reds. A lot of them will come from the Brumbies, one or two from the other the other two, three sides. So um, yep. I, I would say there's a lot to be said for picking one team and, and playing them all together in that, that series. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Moving on now to Old Glory and Sydney rugby fan. Uh, Wallabies and France test schedule. We've already just covered that. So I don't think we need to say anything more. Uh, what do you think about the idea of bringing back Australia A team slash tour concept to develop the depth and experience, but also maybe locking in some Oz capped players? Although I don't think playing for Australia A actually means you're capped for the no, national I think, team. I think he means that bringing back some capped players who aren't making the Wallabies. So like Tom Robinson, for example, might play for Australia A, but not play for the Wallabies. Uh, okay, time. cool. Yeah. So maybe um, give Harry them Johnson some excitement Holmes, about Lee staying Wright. in the country. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think yep. it's a great idea. I really do. Uh, w- there's a lot of talk at the moment around there not being enough depth to sustain five super rugby teams. But I personally think we can't have any less than that to be competitive in super, in super rugby, but in just in the Australian sports market. So we need to have five teams to have the different um, representation in the different capital cities just to have um, a representation for rugby union there. So I think it's a great idea to have Australia A because you'll get some of those players who are on the cusp of sort of Wallabies level, but maybe aren't quite there. Harry Johnson, Holmes, um, Brandon Pangramosa, those kind of players maybe have a few test caps to their name, not a lot, but they can really... Um, get some more game time whilst being in the the Wallaby setup, they can still get game time playing for Australia A against quality opposition. So I think it's great. I think it'd be really really good. And it's a good pathway as well. You get some of those younger players, we get them playing against international competitors, maybe some sort of um, uh, tier two nations playing against sort of Tonga and Samoa and those kinds of things. We can then breed our leadership 
for the next generation coming through. So we can have players like Fraser McWright or Harry Wilson captaining um, Australia A ready to take over when Hooper steps down. How good would it be to have a double header at somewhere like Bankwest where the opening game is Australia A versus Samoa and then the um, Wallabies event play afterwards is Wallabies play Fiji or the Wallabies play France or something like that? Like you have a touring tier one nation, but you pair that with a touring tier two nation and then they just follow each other around and follow the same schedule. That would just be incredible to me. Um, and then and- all, of the player, all of the player benefits go to the tier two nation. Yeah, correct. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so like a portion, a good portion of the freaking ticket sales or gate sales actually go to um, the tier two nation as well. Yeah, I just think there's so much that is good within that concept that it, it really needs to come back. Um, all right. I think we can wrap things up there, mate. Uh, it's been a pretty quick episode from our perspective normally we go for a lot longer than this so we've tried to keep it a bit shorter um thank you so much everybody is there anything you want to say as we wrap it up uh thanks everyone for listening to two episodes from us this week it's been it's been great it's been good to talk about rugby and this is an exciting week super rugby au final we're going to have come saturday night we're going to have an australian team lifting up the trophy and that's something that we just haven't had for the last few years so Really, really excited for it. Can't wait. Great build-up to Trans-Tasman. And this is a really, really, really good time to be an Australian rugby fan. Awesome. Well, let's leave it there, mate. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And have a wonderful week. Cannot wait for Saturday night. Let's go. See you, everyone. Let's go. Bye. Bye.